right. Hey, everyone. <laughs> Happy today. <laughs> hey, Regis. I hope you had a nice trip to Colorado. Sorry I missed you. <laughs> okay. I'm, it was all great. Good, good, good. Yeah, I'm, I'm still here in La Vida. Uh, I haven't left yet, uh, you know, doing some work on the condo. Um, but uh, it's good to see you all. Um, we are here for Seven Steps to Awakening and Out of the Stillness. And today we are going to start on quote 301. So we'll start with Seven Steps to Awakening, quote number 301. Uh, right now we're looking at Nizargadatta Maharaj. The intelligence and power are all used up in your imagination. It has absorbed you so completely that you just cannot grasp how far from reality you have wandered. No doubt, imagination is richly creative. <coughs> universe within universe are built on it. Yet they are all in space and time, past and future, which do not exist. And I need a drink of water. So let me do that and then we'll read it one more time. The intelligence and power are all used up in your imagination. It has absorbed you so completely that you just cannot grasp how far from reality you have wandered. No doubt, imagination is richly creative. Universe within universe are built on it. Yet they are all in space and time, past and future, which just do not exist. <laughs> It's kind of a striking statement, isn't it? You have no idea how far you have wandered from reality. Um, I was talking to a family member yesterday and, you know, this family member is worried about several different things and, and not in a super good frame of mind. Um, and, you, you know, you just can't explain to people uh, who aren't ready to hear this message. You can't explain to people that everything is taking care of itself and that there's absolutely nothing to worry about. Uh, what, what there is to do is to watch and see how things work out, right? But there's nothing else to worry about. You know, when we get all concerned about everything and all involved in everything and all consumed by everything, uh, we are literally in an illusion created by our own mind. I'm going to look at 301 in Out of the Stillness and see how I contemplated this. One is not at all aware of the power that accompanies each choice. If this awareness was present, one would put much more effort into the right use of mind. Attention given to illusion keeps one entrapped in illusion. 
Attention given to realization sets one free. These are the options. Now make your choice. You know, I listen to Jacqueline and Connie and the rest of y'all when you're listening to the early teachings. And those of you who listen to the early teachings on Tuesday night know that Connie is always referring to column A and column B. You know, column A being the truth and column B being the illusion. And that's what this contemplation basically says. There's only two choices here. You know, when you have a problem, whatever that problem is, uh, you think that there, there may be multiple directions you can go. There may be multiple choices. Um, but surprisingly, every one of those multiple directions could simply be ego. And so it doesn't even matter which of the multiple directions you choose. It's very possible uh, that you are choosing ego. And what that means is even if a solution seems to arise, another problem is going to be created out of that solution, right? So, so in, when we choose ego, there are no solutions. There's the appearance of solution, but then another problem arises out of that. So when we think we have a lot of choices, we need to look and we need to ask ourselves, do I really have this choice and this choice and this choice and this choice? Or is that all just column B? You know, is that all just illusion? Am I just giving attention to illusion? And is there a choice for truth here? You know, choices for truth, I, I can't tell you uh, when you're asking for a choice for truth, what that might look like. Uh, certainly there are times when we are guided to do things in the world. It, it happens, right? I mean, I started awakening together. I moved to Pueblo. I scribed in TI. I mean, you know, so certainly stuff in the world happens. But I will tell you that over my years and years and years of seeking guidance, it's only a tiny fraction of guidance that was actually doing something in the world. The vast majority of guidance was looking at my own misperceptions, uh, realizing that I was seeing wrongly, I was thinking wrongly, I was believing wrongly, and learning to, as you guys know the phrase, learning to rest, accept, and trust. We could call that learning to do nothing and just watching how things work themselves out. You know, I was listening to some early teachings a few weeks ago where um, the Holy Spirit was telling, you know, young Regina here, the same thing I'm saying here, that occasionally I may guide you in the world, but for the most part, I'm gonna guide you to look at the mind. But then the Holy Spirit went on to explain to me the reason for that is Right now, you still think the solution lies in you doing something in the world. If I was to guide you to do something in the world and it worked out, you're still going to think that the solution lies in you doing something in the world, right? It's much more important that I teach you to look at your mind, that I teach you to find false beliefs, or I teach you to find how attention is focused wrongly and you learn how to let go of those beliefs or shift attention to something more helpful. 
And then things work themselves out without you. That's much more helpful because then you see the real cause of everything, right? Um, and again, that was a very young Regina. And by young, I mean young on the spiritual path. Um, but that is still my experience today. You know, this family member is talking about these issues. And certainly this morning, my mind was like, oh, you know, should I call and suggest this? Should I call and suggest this to help that person? And my real guidance is let it be. You know, just let it be. And as I let it be, somehow I am adding a helpful energy to the entire thing. If I get involved in worrying, I'm adding the wrong-minded energy to the entire thing. So my job is to be the peace. My job is to be the okayness, okay with whatever is. Um, my job is to be quiet. And watch, maybe even for this person, because they're not capable of just watching, how everything works itself out. So that's really what 301 is saying here. One is not at all aware of the power that accompanies each choice. You know, when we're worrying about whatever we're worrying about, we're not at all aware of the power we're adding to the problem, I'll say, just to pick a word. Um, some of you may have heard the story before where I used to have a, a stalker. And he said some things that were a little scary, a little dangerous. Um, and I and I got into a fearful situation. Um, first of all, let me just back up. Let me tell you the beginning of this story. When he very first contacted me, my guidance was not to respond. Very first contact. And my spiritual ego said, uh, and back then I was steeped in A Course in Miracles, so I used A Course in Miracles language. My spiritual ego said, you would respond to any other brother. You wouldn't, you know, ignore any other brother. Uh, and so I tried responding to him in a, in a nice and polite way. Um, and what happened was with this particular person was this came to be um, a pretty strong situation where, and I'm not exaggerating, between the phone and the emails, there were probably, it got to the point where there were probably 50 attempted contacts per day, 50, five, zero. Um, some of the contacts, you know, one of the very first contacts, the person wanted to marry me and become famous spiritual teachers together and travel the world. But there were also contacts where he would ask me to beat him. There were contacts where he seemed to threaten me. There were con I mean, just, you know, lots of crazy stuff, right? And when it got to its height, and it was really scary for me, and I went in again and I asked for guidance. What I saw in my mind, it was like a vision, was I saw just a ping pong ball going back and forth between two paddles. That's all I saw. And I understood perfectly that I was energizing this whole situation, 
right? I was energizing it, you know, even when I would respond to him and tell him to leave me alone and quit contacting me and I have a boyfriend and, you know, <laughs> and, and, and when I was worrying about it and when I was telling other people about it, everything I was doing was energizing. I was playing ping pong with him. And what I needed to do is stop. I needed to put my paddle down and stop my part in this scenario. And when I saw that clearly, and of course remembered my initial guidance, which was very from the very beginning, not to respond. Um, I began to practice that guidance. I began to not respond, not answer the phone. You know, fortunately you had caller ID, so you knew who was calling. So not answer the phone, not respond to emails. When I found myself thinking about it, letting it go in my own mind, practicing in my own mind, and what started to happen was the attempts at contact started to decrease, 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 decrease until they got all the way down to like about one every other month. And then they fell away. You know, we just do not understand what we're doing when we give attention to things because we don't understand what our attention is. We don't understand that it's divine energy. You know, what do you want to give your divine energy to? That's a good question to ask yourself. Is this something I want to give my divine energy to? When you find yourself worrying about something or working on something or trying to control something. So again, 301 and out of the stillness says, one is not at all aware of the power that accompanies each choice. If this awareness was present, one would put much more effort into the right use of mind, right? Which the right use of mind is, you know, very simple stuff sometimes. Uh, you know, some of the types of thoughts that came in that I would, you know, give my attention to as right use of mind or things like uh, be patient. This too shall pass. Trust. Wait. Be happy with not knowing. Right. I mean, all these types of thoughts are right minded thoughts. You know, even that last one I just said, be happy with not knowing. We put a whole a bunch of energy worrying about something just because we don't know how it's going to turn out. If we can learn just to be happy with not knowing, that clips a lot of wrong-minded energy. Be happy with not knowing. So simple. And of course, you know, we have that book now called Thoughts of Awakening. All of those thoughts came to me when I was going through this process of changing my attention from giving attention to wrong-minded thoughts so that, and switching my attention to right-minded way of being. And what would happen when these thoughts would come is I would carry them around in my pocket. You've heard this story a million times. And when I noticed that my mind was starting to go to the problem of the day, I would simply pull it out of my pocket, open it up and shift my attention to contemplating the thought that came that day. Just moving attention. 
It's it's amazing. You know, I, I am kind of looking at Angelo DeLillo's book again, since I am interviewing him in a, in a few nights, although I don't think I'll finish the book before then. <laughs> but um, I just finished the chapter on attention. Uh, I don't remember what chapter that was, but I, I remember he said something like how important it is to, the word he used was modulate your attention, which really means pay attention to what you're giving attention to. And he said, if you don't modulate your attention, you're most likely the attention is just going to be lost in thought, right? Which is going to be lost in worrying, lost in judging, lost in all that stuff. Now he didn't say anything in his book, or if he did, I, I, uh, I, I, I didn't read it because the truth is the second time I'm only reading my highlights. <laughs> so I might not have read it. I uh, might've forgotten it from the first time, but this time around, I didn't see anything in his book about attention being divine. I didn't see that point made. Right. And it might be in there and I might've just forgotten, but he's very clear that it's an important practice to modulate attention, to pay attention to where attention is. And of course, you know, he spends lots of time just talking about paying attention to what you're hearing, the sensations in the body, um, the the what the colors and shapes that you're seeing, right? And paying attention with the wonder of a child. You know, it's really interesting to me how we're all guided differently to the same thing. I was guided with single quiet thought. Shift your attention to this contemplation. He was guided with shift your attention to listen to the sound. In both cases, we're doing the same thing. We're shifting our attention away from the thought. Right? It sounds like two different practices. It's the exact same practice. So again, one is not at all aware of the power that accompanies each choice. If this awareness was present, one would put much more effort into the right use of mind. Now, it's interesting. This says one would put much more effort into the right use of mind. But this isn't talking about um, struggle or, you know, condemning yourself. Oh, shit, I'm lost in mind again. I have to focus on this and I have to focus on sound inst instead. When this says much more effort, what it's really talking about is when you genuinely understand the power of your attention and that genuine understanding uh, connects with the heart, you are not going to want to spend time worrying about the problem of the day. You are going to want very much to shift your attention away. This is a wanting. You're going to want very much to shift your attention away from that and focus it on you know, a thought of awakening on sounds. I remember Gina Lake used to say she would just look at her hands and start noticing her hands, whatever you're guided to shift your attention to, because you're going to have an understanding, a heart understanding, a genuine understanding that by focusing on whatever's going on in the mind, uh, well, you're creating your own hell. And how many of us want to create our own hell? So we have a genuine understanding of what we're doing. We're going to want to shift that habit. We're going to want to put much more effort 
and to give an attention uh, in, in the right use way. So one is not at all aware of the power that accompanies each choice. If this awareness was present, one would put much more effort into the right use of mind. Attention given to illusion keeps one entrapped in illusion. Attention given to realization sets one free. These are the options. You hear the column A and the column B that, that Connie talks a lot about. Attention given to illusion keeps one entrapped in illusion. That's what Connie calls column B. There's one choice. Attention given to realization sets one free. That's what Connie calls column A. These are the options. Now make your choice. These are the options, not the five different possible solutions to the problem that are all coming from ego. It's ego or spirit, illusion or clarity, right? These are the options. And it changes everything when we start to see those are always the only two options. This family member that I talked to yesterday, everything that's going on in her life, it's all going to play out. Her biggest problem right now is being in the space of not knowing how it's all going to play out. And of course, having preferences, wanting it to play out in a certain way. At some point, when awakening occurs enough, I don't know how else to say this, you really do realize that being in that space of not knowing is fine. Being in that space of, okay, I can see that this is a situation that is, you know, I have no idea how it's going to work out and that's okay. That's peace. But in order to get there, you have to, you have to not have a preference about how it works out. What I told her was, um, no matter how this works out, it's going to be for the best. And she actually acknowledged that statement. I mean, she heard the truth in that. I'm not going to say that she left our discussion, you know, enlightened or anything. <laughs> uh, but she acknowledged that statement. How, in fact, I think she said, I know. I said, however this works out, it's going to be for the best. And she said, I know. Which means we all recognize these truths. We just allow ourselves to forget them. Right? I, I love that song. Um some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers, right? Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. In fact, uh, when I was a young girl, around 17, 18, I had this boyfriend that I was madly in love with. I mean, oh my God, I was so in love with this kid. And, you know, I won't tell the story, but it, we ended up going our separate ways. He moved to another city and we lost touch and went our separate ways. Well, um, a few years ago in the middle of the night, I got hit with this thought to look on Facebook for him. And as it turned out, his mother had just died. Uh, so it was kind of interesting that I got hit with that thought to look for him. But I got hit for this thought, hit with this thought to look for him on Facebook. So I did and I found him and he let me know his mom had just died and we reconnected a little bit around that. 
Um, but what was interesting was his lifestyle now, the way he lives now and what he loves to do and, and, and all of that is so vastly different from mine. You know, I, I, I couldn't help but think back when we were separated, when he had to move to another city, I thought it was like the worst day of my life. But, you know, my path went the way my path went, and I'm very happy that my path went the way it went. And it could not have gone this way if we had remained together. You know, we, we just don't know. Some of these great heartbreaks are actually opening a door for us that needs to be opened. Another, another story that I was telling a, a friend of mine the other day, um, I used to have this dog. I love this dog. Her name was Keisha. I love Keisha. You know, she really loved Keisha. And, and I was young and stupid. Now I'm a little older. I'm probably 20-ish. I don't know. I'd have to stop and think. No, maybe 22. Maybe 22. Um, but still stupid. <laughs> a little older, but still stupid. I did not know that chocolate was bad for dogs. And I shared my Hershey bar with my dog and killed it. Yeah, that was awful. I mean, you know, this dog was the love of my life, right? I mean, I cried and cried and cried and cried and cried. That was just horrible. Um, but I was in a situation in my life where I was having trouble getting jobs. Things just weren't working out in any way, shape or form. And uh, after Keisha died, uh, somehow the idea came to talk to a military recruiter and I joined the Air Force and I really got kind of turned around in the Air Force. I wasn't heading in the best direction. I was doing drugs and stuff. I wasn't headed in the best direction. And in the Air Force, I kind of got turned around into a better direction. And I would not have joined the Air Force if I'd still had Keisha because I wouldn't have wanted to be separated from my dog, right? That whole doorway could not have opened if things hadn't gone the way they went. So one of the things about being, I'm going to use the word enlightened, although I don't mean you have to be fully enlightened. You can be enlightened in any moment, right? One of the things about being enlightened is trusting everything. Trusting everything. It doesn't mean you know how it's helpful. It doesn't mean you know how it's in everyone's best interest. It doesn't mean you know, right? But you just learn to trust everything. Trust everything. That's a right use of mind. Even this. Even this. Even this. And don't draw a line where the trust stops. Even this. Even this, even this, that's a right use of mind. I will say something else that sometimes what we'd like to do because we aren't comfortable not knowing is that we like to make up stories in our mind and we don't even notice we're making them up, but we like to make up stories in our mind about how this is okay, right? Uh, for example, um, you know, maybe uh, our flight is late uh, and um, and we think, well, you know, the flight was late and I was delayed and blah, 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 blah. But at least I got to talk to this guy in the airport. We had a really nice conversation. That probably is what was supposed to happen. We don't know that. 
Maybe the flight being late had nothing to do with you at all. Maybe somewhere else, somebody else was uh, had to get somewhere and, and, and if the flight hadn't been late, they wouldn't have caught it. Maybe it had nothing to do with you. So when we trust all things, we're trusting all things in an impersonal way, not a personal way, right? And you may never know why working out this way was perfect. And you don't need to know why. You trust all things anyway, even this, even this, even this. And the way you know that trusting all things is right instead of wrong, by that I mean right-minded instead of wrong-minded, is when you get accustomed to it, when it becomes the new habit, what you'll discover is that you're always at peace, right? It's that always at peace that tells you, yes, this is the truth. Truth isn't understood intellectually. Truth is understood by that, you know, you could call it peace, you could call it love, you could call it joy, they're all actually the same thing. They're not different things. That consistent okayness, that consistent all is well, that actually comes into being and is with you no matter what, no matter what, no matter what at some point. That's the sign that you're connected to truth. And the mind doesn't have to understand any of it. So one is not at all aware of the power that accompanies each choice. If this awareness was present, one would put much more effort into the right use of mind. Attention given to illusion keeps one entrapped in illusion. Attention given to realization sets one free. These are the options, right? Entrapment or freedom. These are the options. Now make your choice. So I think that's all I have to say about 301. Um, so the next thing that I had marked in my book was 306. So that's where we're going next. And in the seven steps to awakening, <laughs> 306 says, nothing dies. The body is just imagined. There is no such thing. That's a pretty strong statement, don't you think? Nothing dies. You know, yesterday here in here in La Vida, um, What's in front of us is the highway. Now, for those of you who haven't been here, <laughs> highway doesn't mean the same thing it does to some of y'all. Uh, it's Colorado State Highway 12. And, you know, if we sat here and counted the number of cars that went by in five minutes, uh, maybe if it's really busy, we count eight to 10 cars, you know, so it's not, and that's in five minutes. So it's not super busy. But some of the cars go down this road a little bit fast, you know, um, 
And yesterday, what happened, we have yesterday, what happened is, <laughs> I want to say this in a really pitiful way, somebody hit Bambi. Uh, and what I mean by that is there's a, a mother deer with two fawns that hangs out right here. You know, sometimes they're grazing on our side of the road. Sometimes they're grazing across the road, but like right here is where they live. And uh, so they're crossing the road all the time. And yesterday, somebody hit one of the babies. Uh, and as I looked out on the window and was watching this, you know, I felt this sadness, you know, not intense sadness or anything, just kind of, oh, you know, one of the babies was hit and, you know, kind of felt this sadness. Later in the day, I was observing the mother deer and she's still right here, just doing the same thing she always did, grazing, you know, eating grass, like she did go over by the baby a couple times and kind of sniff it and then walk away and, and start eating grass again. You know, she's just continuing her being. And uh, even though, again, I wasn't brokenhearted or anything, you know, I, I, I just felt a little like, oh, I felt a little like, oh, I wish that hadn't happened. That's what I felt, right? Oh, I wish that hadn't happened. But I didn't see her feeling that. And I thought, isn't that interesting? Uh, it's her baby. You know, so how much story do we add even to things like um, watching a deer get hit by a car, almost say a baby deer, watching a baby deer get hit by a car? We add the story that this is sad. We add the story that this is death. We add the story that, you know, this shouldn't have happened or if it hadn't happened, it would be better, right? We My internet went out, which is a little bit funny because I just got brand new high-speed internet yesterday. <laughs> so I'll, I'll worry about that later. I'm on my, I'm on my, uh, you know, my phone data now. So we're on data. So hopefully this will go a little better. Um, George, your internet's still working, huh? And you have Jade? I just got kicked off. Oh, Jade. Okay, well, I, I didn't go back on Jade, but I guess something happened to Jade then. So, uh, so good. Um, where's Franklin? Franklin's over there in my briefcase. I'd have to get it out and everything. <laughs> phone was right here. <laughs> Franklin is another internet option that I have. Uh, so at least we had several options. But what I was saying when I got kicked out was, you know, if 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 I'm watching a or if we're watching a baby deer get hit by a car and we think, oh, that's sad. Isn't that imagination? If we say, oh, you know, that shouldn't have happened or something else happening would have been better. Isn't that imagination? You know, we don't recognize these things as imagination. We think of imagination as, you know, sitting here staring at the West Peak and uh, imagining, you know, happening to see something unusual in the sky and imagining, oh, this whole, I go into this daydream, oh, aliens, what if they land on the West Peak? What if they blah, blah, blah? What if we imagine that as imagination when actually imagination is much, much, much more common and, and all the daydreams are a part of it, 
just thinking that a deer getting hit by a car is sad is imagination. Because mama didn't seem sad. She sniffed at it a couple of times, but I don't even know what she was doing. Maybe curiosity, maybe wondering, who knows what a deer is doing. But then she'd go back to eating, you know? Went back to just doing what deer do. So he says, nothing dies. The body is just imagined. There is no such thing. It's a very strong statement, but I think it's worth it for us to contemplate how much imagining we do that we don't even see as imagining. We think it's a fact, you know, it's sad when a, when a deer gets hit by a car. That shouldn't have happened. We think of it as a fact. All right, let's see. I, Jacqueline, your, your screen is only half there, but I see you. There you are. <laughs> Sorry, I did a whole half a day of a retreat like that. <laughs> but at any rate, um, uh, I can't help but ask this question. Um, and I'm, sure, I'm quite sure you're making another point, but uh, this, this issue's up for me anyway with like, uh, and you may have heard me say it, you know, um, uh, Jimmy Buffett dying and all my heroes are dying, you know. Um, <clears throat> but uh, you talk about the deer not caring about, you didn't say not caring, but you talk about the deer uh, not seem to be distressed about the loss of her, her calf. Um, and yeah, uh, that reminds me. Say it again. I said she just went on being a deer. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, uh, and what keeps coming up for me is, well, that may <laughs> that may have just been an insensitive deer because, <laughs> you know, I think I told you that story when I was staying at my sister's that one time and they came and took their cat, the cows, calves yeah. away and the cows just, it was awful. They just pined and moaned and whined for their, for their kids, for their children. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and also I'm remembering the movie like March of the Penguins and, uh, the boy penguins are supposed to keep their eggs safe and one dropped his egg and once it hits the, you know, it freezes and, and he was just screaming and trying to steal other people's eggs. And so, <laughs> um, so we do see some other things in the animal world. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you're making another point, but I'm, that's the argument that I'm getting. No, that's, that's fine because I think that's true. I think, I think they've said that whales mourn They've said that cows mourn. We've seen dogs appear to mourn when their uh, owners sometimes are killed, sometimes not, but sometimes yes, right? So I think those things do happen. Um, so I'm not saying that sadness and mourning doesn't happen. Uh, what I'm really saying is pay attention to when I'm adding the story. Yeah, that's really what I'm saying, you know? So, and and I'm saying that that's, much more frequent than we realized. In fact, I did it yesterday and didn't notice it until I saw the mama deer not adding a story, right? That's all that I'm saying. Yeah, but no, sadness definitely happens. There's no, no doubt about that. And I think it does happen in the animal world. So I didn't mean to be making the point that animals don't mourn. Um, and like I said, she did, you know, go over and sniff it sometimes. And the other baby went over and sniffed it sometimes. And I don't know what was going on with them when they were sniffing it. And then they go right back to, to eating. Um, I did uh, 
mentioned to Shauna that um, I had, I called and reported the baby deer being killed to the city, hoping somebody would come and remove it. And it got to be evening time and nobody had removed it. So I was telling this story to Shauna and I told her I was a little concerned because because the mama and the baby sometimes were hanging out by it. And I thought maybe another one would get hit. And I didn't really want to attract a mountain lion to the property. And so my heroes, Shauna and George, took the baby deer away and took it somewhere else where, um, it, you know, the mountain lion already hangs out. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, so, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot that happened there, right? And, and all of that is perfect. All of that is okay. Uh, but the only point that, like I said, that I'm making is, and, and we can all do this, paying attention to when we're making up a story and we don't even know we're making up a story. I know I've told this story before, so I apologize for having the same stories over and over. But the very first time I noticed that I did that was when I was driving Jasmine to school one day and there was a car parked in a place where there's usually not a car. And, and I told Jasmine, oh, look, you know, that person is blah, 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 blah. How do I know what that person was doing? You know, and it just hit me like, you don't know why that car's there or what's going on there. You just made that up you know, based on what you see every day and what you think is true and what you think is not true. You just made that up. And one of the things that I notice in my life now is that people, you know, whether it's Jasmine or Ron or mom or, you know, Jacqueline or whoever, <laughs> people will ask me, you know, like what's going to happen, you know, in the future, what's going to happen next? You know, what, what are we going to do this afternoon? You know, how are, where are you going on your retreat next week? You know, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and I, and I have gotten to the point where I feel like my most common answer is, I don't know the answer to that yet. I feel like, I feel like, you know, that's, I'm always saying that I don't know the answer to that yet, because I've come to realize that all of that is imagination. You know, if I tell you, oh, well, next Monday, we're going to go to Lathrop Park, it might be pouring down rain. Uh, I might feel intuitively in that moment to do something else. I don't know what's going to happen next Monday. I I don't know that. And the difference is now I know I don't know that. Right? So there's just so much imagination in our lives that we do not see as imagination. That's my point. We know when we're daydreaming, you know, about having an affair with Brad Pitt that we're imagining. <laughs> right? But there are other things that we don't know is imagining. And that's what we want to start paying attention to how much imagining is going on. Because every bit of imagining is a filter that's blocking reality. We can only discover reality by relinquishing our imagining. In order to relinquish our imagining, we have to see that it is imagining. So um, let me go ahead and read what I put in uh, Out of the Stillness at quote 306. Reality lives. It is constant. That which isn't constant does not exist. It does not come and go. It is not born and it does not die. 
It is presently non-existent, not real, imagined. That is the teaching. I trust the teaching by not becoming involved mentally or emotionally with that which appears to come and go. I trust the teaching by keeping attention with being present isness. Now, again, I just want to remind you all that when we're looking at out of the stillness, we're looking at me teaching me. Okay, let's not forget that. We're looking at me teaching me. And so what I really felt it looks like to say to myself that day is, in short, stay focused on reality. Don't get distracted by what's not reality. Stay focused on reality. Don't get distracted by what's not reality. This was me speaking to me, not to you. And I suppose to some point, that's what I saw the mama deer doing yesterday. That's what she spoke to me in her grazing. She, like I said, she was still just being a deer, right? Well, this is telling me, just stay with being. That's what she was doing. She was being a deer, but she was with being. She was being what deers be, right? And this is saying, just stay with being. Just stay with isness. Don't get caught up in anything else. And of course, when you guys watch the awakening games, the awakening games are some of the ways in which I stayed with being, right? Even as things happen in life, you know, things come and go. You know, one of the things that's happening in life right now, the reason I'm in La Vida is that, um, you know, we had a tenant and uh, the tenant got to the position where the tenant could no longer pay the rent. And so, uh, you know, we gave the tenant 60 days notice to get out and, and the tenant was very good um, in keeping the commitments to get out on time and all of that. But when the tenant left, uh, you know, there was some damage in the unit and it was very, very dirty, damage and very, very dirty. And so what I'm here doing, first I cleaned and now I'm here, there's a contractor over there repairing some of the damage and, and you know, and, and this stuff is going on. At one time, this would have been to some degree upsetting to me, you know, even if it was just, oh, I shouldn't have to put up with this, right? I shouldn't have to deal with this. You know, I have other things I could be doing, <laughs> whatever I came up with, whatever I would have come up with would have been imagination. I shouldn't have to deal with this. He should not have, you know, caused that damage. He should not have lived that dirty. This is imagination. What's happening for me now is that is not my natural go-to. My natural go-to now is being. So this is happening and this is what I'm doing, but my, uh, happiness, my composure, my beingness, my grazing in the grass is not interrupted by what's going on. And if it was interrupted by what was going on, it would be because it would be because I was imagining. 
that it should be different, that it shouldn't have happened, whatever, 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 whatever. And we don't see that these things that we imagine are imagining. That's, that's again, that's the point. Um, I was telling some friends the other day that, you know, what was going on, just saying, you know, you should have seen how dirty this was. And, you know, just kind of talking because it was really, it was surprisingly dirty. And I was just telling the story. And, and, and one person asked, when did you realize that he, me and the tenant, when did you realize that he was a problem? I said, I didn't say he was a problem. <laughs> and I didn't, you know, I was describing the dirt, you know, and how funny it was. And, you know, how did you get dirt there in certain places? Like the inside of the washing machine, for example, was all muddy. Like, how do you do that? <laughs> you know, so I was talking like that, but I never said it was a problem because I never perceived it as a problem. It's what is, it was funny to me. I'm working with it. You know, there's, there was nothing here that um, that imagined it should have been different, right? So that's really what this contemplation is saying to me, even though it sounds kind of firm, it's firmness coming from my heart. It's kind of like what we saw in the previous contemplation where it said, if you understand the power of the mind, uh, you're going to want to put a lot of effort into the right use of mind, right? Well, this contemplation is a demonstration of me wanting to put a lot of effort into the right use of mind. So I sound very firm with myself, but that that's it's it's firmness that's coming from my heart. It's firmness that I want to comply with, right? I'm not forcing myself to do anything. It's a change. It's a shift I want to make. I want to quit imagining things should be different than they are. I want to quit imagining that I'm the victim of this and poor little me. I want to quit imagining all of that stuff and just stay with being. While everything else comes and goes through the experience, just stay with being being just like mama was doing yesterday mama dear grazing just staying with being reality lives it is constant that which isn't constant does not exist and let me define exist for you cuz i'm not saying that it doesn't appear exist uh, literally means it is on its own power. It's not dependent on anything else. It is on its own power. So we talked about how when you give attention to the problems in your mind, you give attention to the problems in your mind, you know, you're keeping the problem stuck many times. And even if there is a solution, a new problem comes out of it. This is because of the attention you're giving to your mind that things are manifesting in the way they are. Therefore, even though there may seem to be a major problem here right now, it doesn't actually exist because the problem didn't appear on its own power. It appeared through our attention on mind, you see? So it appears, 
you know, like I, I have to get this condo ready for the next tenant who happens to be our beloved friend, Shauna. You know, I have to get it back into shape. It appears, but it doesn't exist. It didn't happen on its own power, right? It happened through attention on mind and, and all kinds of things, right? Lots of people's attention on mind, to be honest. Um, so I don't focus on the condo and, and how it should look or any of that. I don't focus on that, even though I'm dealing with that. I just continue to focus on being, even while I'm over there cleaning, even while I'm hiring the contractor to come and repair the things that I can't do. And, and you know, dealing with all of that, my attention isn't with, oh, this shouldn't have happened, oh, blah, 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 blah. My attention is on being. That's what this is talking about. I keep with what does exist, what does exist on its own power, being. So I keep my attention there, not on this temporary appearance that's going to come and go, right? So reality lives. It is constant. That which isn't constant does not exist. It does not come and go. And that's a, a very strict statement. But what that means is, although the appearance comes and goes, that's a true statement. If you focus on being and you put your full attention on being, you'll notice that nothing comes and goes in being. Being just is, right? So it's saying, keep your attention so focused on being that you don't see fluctuations. You only see being. And again, this is me being very firm with myself because I wanted to learn this lesson this much, right? Keep my attention so focused on being that I'm not really, I'm not really uh, experiencing the fluctuations. I'm experiencing the constancy. It is not born. It does not die. If I'm very focused on being, all I see is being. I see nothing coming, nothing going, nothing being born, nothing dying. There's, and this is a, how can I say this? It's just, I don't know how to say this. It's just an intuitiveness that takes you over at some point. That's a, the best way to say it. It's an intuitiveness that takes you over at some point. The constancy as the only reality. It is not, it is presently non-existent, not real, imagined. So I'm kind of disowning anything other than being in this. And then I say, that is the teaching. I trust the teaching by not becoming involved mentally or emotionally. Now, this is not saying that I'm going to deny my emotions because I would never teach that. But what I'm saying to myself is if I find, if really what I'm saying is if I find myself becoming involved, I'm going to shift into practice. Whether that practice is inquiry whether that practice is rest, accept, and trust, whether that practice is self-inquiry, I am not going to be tolerant. And again, it sounds very firm, but it was the right thing for me at the time. I am not going to be tolerant of allowing myself to become lost in something that isn't being. I'm going to catch myself, right? 
and do whatever feels right and sincere and genuine in the moment to come back to being. I'm not going to tolerate that anymore. So I trust the teaching by not becoming involved mentally or emotionally, which that which appears to come and go. I trust the teaching by keeping attention with being, comma, present isness. So being and present isness are the same thing. And we're out of time. So I have to politely shut up now. All right. Just to let you know, next week I won't be here because I will be in retreat in La Vida. So I'll see you all in two weeks. Okay. <laughs>